0: George. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of 3 and D. am Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. It's officially March Madness, ladies and gentlemen. Over the next month, we'll be focusing primarily on college basketball. But in tonight's episode, we'll talk about some news around the NBA, the Kings' struggles, Uh, reviewing my all-star predictions, the new AP poll that came out, some of the top college games of the week, and I'll be ranking my different tiers of where the top college basketball teams stand. So today I got on Kawhi Leonard T-shirt. Nothing too fancy. Just decided to go uh, something pretty basic. Uh, No jersey today. Kawhi's been balling this year. One of my favorite players. So decided to to rep him for today. So first, uh, first order of business that kind of broke only a couple of hours ago is the Hawks fired Lloyd Pierce. Now this isn't a completely shocking move. Uh, I actually like as of like 5 minutes ago they named Need McMillan uh the head coach which I think was a good move if they if they're going to fire Lloyd Pierce but the Hawks have completely underperformed this year I'm not too surprised that Lloyd Pierce got canned um it's it's sad because it's only been two and a half seasons for him uh they're 4 they they're off to a 14 and 20 start you know team was immensely improved this off season but have completely underperformed there's no doubt about that. You can blame that on coaching. You can blame that on injury issues, but they're, they've they've underperformed big time this year. And they decided they ended up landing Nate McMillan, who has a long history of coaching in the NBA. coached the SuperSonics, coached the Pacers, coached the Trailblazers. So, and he's and he's done well. He's made it to a lot of playoffs. So this could be a good addition for the Hawks uh he was shockingly fired this offseason from the by the Pacers and the Pacers ended up hiring Nate Bjorkman but you know Pierce is a great basketball mind but hasn't had much success in Atlanta there's no doubt about that uh he coached under Brett Brown in in Philadelphia for five years from 2013 to 2018 before getting the Hawks job and the 18-19 season he's he's been trey young's only coach basically he took over once trey young landed there so he so he's been there just as long as him and he's he's a i think he's a tremendous basketball mind he's going to definitely get looks to be an assistant coach and could work his way up to being a head coach again uh i think i think it was a move that was you know kind of shocking but like I, I kind of speculated, but Trey young once again was, uh, was snubbed for the all-star team. Not once again, but once again, is having a great season. He was snubbed for the all-star team, mainly because of the struggles the Hawks have been going through. Uh, he's been, he's averaged 26 and a half points a game and nine and a half assists a game. So, you know, if those aren't all-star numbers, I don't know what to tell you, but he's, he's had an all-star season and they still underperformed. They've had a lot of injury issues though. And they, they, they were the most active on the market this off season. There's no doubt about that. he they kind of came out of nowhere, signed Galinari, signed Bogdanovich,, uh, you know, signed Rondo. like they they improved big time and they weren't that good last year. So they, but, but the problem is, uh, they've had a lot of injury issues and a lot of bad play from the guys that they added. So, But a lot of the guys that they added have had the injury issues. Chris Dunn, who they signed to a two-year contract point guard uh, from the Chicago Bulls previously, is yet to debut. He's been dealing with injury issues. Rondo, who they added, has only played in 18 games and hasn't done very much. Which and he's a tremendous piece for them because he's he's a defensive-minded and pass-first point guard. Where they have a lot of scoring pieces in that backcourt. There's there's no doubt about that with Trey Young and Bogdanovich and uh, Herder. They're all score. They're all shooters. So. Rondo is the perfect kind of backup for them, but he hasn't really done much this year. He's and he's only played in eighteen games. Gallinari was hurt to start the season too. Just gave him that big contract, uh, and to be one of their big scores, he's starting to get going a little bit. You know, he's got his his averages up over eleven points a game. So I think that I I think once Gallinari gets going, it'll it'll change it a bit, and then, and then Bogdan Bogdanovich, who was their their big acquisition. Three point big three and D guy name of the show. Um, you gotta love the three and D guys, he's a lethal three point shooter, Bogdan Bogdanovich. And he was getting looks from a lot of different teams. He had that that trade to the Bucks that ended up not happening. Uh, that was potentially that was basically went through that they assumed that was going to go through but never ended up happening and he ended up signing with the Hawks and he's been injured he's played he's missed all but nine games this season and he's doesn't have too much of a timetable to return anytime soon either which is which is the problem so you know this is just an in-depth look at the Hawks and you know what their true issues have been DeAndre Hunter has been one of their one of their keys though he's been one of their bright spots you know taken in the lottery in 2019 he was oh he was overlooked tremendous player at virginia he was overlooked by zion and rj and jaw at the top of that draft but he's having an amazing sophomore season to start averaging 17.2 points a game and 5.4 rebounds sadly though he has been hit with the injury bug as well he hasn't played since january he didn't play the entire month of february so th- this all comes to play I don't know if it was necessarily completely Lloyd Pierce's fault for their struggles. You know, I think Lloyd Pierce is a tremendous basketball mind and he'll be back in the mix for other head coaching jobs very soon. But I think, I think it was a mixture of, of just not having the talent to compete and a lot of injury issues too. They also have a weird identity. They have a lot of offensive minded players and not too many defensive minded players. You know, they got Clint Capella, who's their starting center, who's, a defensive center, but you got John Collins, Bogdanovich, Gallinari, Young, who are all score, who are all ball dominant players. That's how that's how good they are. Um, th- that's how they are good is by having the ball in their hands and making things happen. And when you have too many of those kind of guys, it kind of like it kind of takes away from the overall depth that the entire team has. You know, I think that, in they they already had a lot of offensive minded players and they just added more with Bogdanovich and Gallinari. So, I mean, as they say, you can never have too much offense in the NBA, but I think sometimes it does come back to bite you if you don't have enough defense. So the Mm -hmm. Hawks have definitely struggled this year. It's been a problem. There's no doubt about that, and Lloyd Pierce ended up getting the can. And another team that's been struggling that's worth mentioning, Sacramento Kings. There's a lot of problems with the Sacramento Kings, and – Luke Walton's a guy who I think we could be we could be seeing get the can next. Um, he did not do a great job with the Lakers. Sacramento hired him, pounced on him basically when he lost the Lakers job, and Frank Vogel got it. Uh, for some reason, he was, in my opinion, I don't think he's ever been a tremendous head coach. He makes a lot of questionable decisions. Watching that Kings game against the Knicks too, I don't know if I have any Kings fans in the audience. I don't I don't know too many Kings fans as there is so probably not especially here in the northeast but the Kings just have no identity it's difficult and it's tough to watch watching them play against the Knicks too they kind of just throw guys out there and just do like in a you do you kind of situation you know they're they're 13 and 21 right now which is 13th best in the western conference they're once again at the bottom you know they're not they're not going to make a playoff push this year they've shown no signs of life they're going to be a lottery team again you know, it's not surprising. They lost nine straight uh, before beating the Pistons last week. Uh, and the Knicks were the ni- their ninth straight loss last week. Um, so they went into a deep hole. They weren't that bad before that, but those nine straight losses kind of dug them into a, a complete hole in, in a tough Western Conference. I don't think anybody really thought that they would be too much of a contender, but they're, they're almost completely out of play. And they, they just have the, – no game plan, no identity. You know, as I said, Luke Walton, I, I really, I've not, I have yet to see anything, any signs of good stuff from Luke Walton as a head coach. I, I really don't, I really don't see anything. I think that, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's all right. Basketball mind, you know, comes from a basketball family, but I just, uh, him being a head coach, I just don't think is a great call. And I think he, and I wouldn't be shocked. I would. I would be shocked if he doesn't get canned by the end of the season. Like maybe they'll wait till the off season. But if they have another, you know, with seventy two games this year, if they have another 20, 30 win season, I can't imagine him sticking around for too much longer. It's it's getting bad. They need to start going in a different direction. They already got rid of Vlade Divac, who kind of put together this weird team. One of their other problems is they got a ton of dumb contracts, too. You know, they assigned Harrison Barnes to that that big contract, and Harrison Barnes has completely fleeced the NBA. I'll tell you that. He's made made upwards towards $200 million in his career and has been a good player, but has never been a player that should have made $200 million in his career. There's no no doubt he's been getting paid $20 million a year for the last. However many years, you know, he signed a huge deal with Dallas when he left Golden State and then Sacramento pounced on him when Dallas didn't want him anymore. It was it was crazy. And Sacramento's, you know, paying him twenty two point two million this year. And he's got another two years left of that contract. Nobody's going to take on that contract either. It's untradeable. They also got Corey Joseph is getting paid twelve point six million, barely plays. It makes no sense. Corey Joseph is a good player. I like Corey Joseph, but he's a bench backup point guard. You know, he's he's not a $12 million point guard at all. And that's what he's getting paid. Buddy Heald, they just signed to that huge extension, getting paid $24 million. He has not had a great year, and it's not necessarily his fault. He's kind of in a system where they almost abandoned him, you know, when they drafted Tyrese Halliburton. I think it was a tremendous pick because Halliburton's had a great season so far, but they kind of said, all right, this is, and they also extended De'Aaron Fox, who's their franchise player, and I have no problem with them extending De'Aaron Fox, but they kind of, by drafting Halliburton, they kind of told Heald, like, you're on the way out. There's no room for him uh, anymore. I think their best bet is to try hard to trade Buddy Heald before the trade deadline. Uh, He's getting paid $24 million. He's got three years left on his contract, and he's a good player, and he could be worth that money, though. He's not. He hasn't been playing up to that because he's on a garbage Kings team. But for a contender, he's a great shooter. Plays defense. Uh, high basketball IQ. He's a good player. He's not necessarily an All Star, but you know, with the heightened salaries that we see in the NBA nowadays, he could be worth twenty four million. And yeah, I think it's the best bet for the Kings to to probably try to ship him off sometime soon because and start to roll with the bat their future backcourt of Fox and Halliburton. Uh, Halliburton's had an amazing rookie year. You know, he's, he's great. He's more of a point guard, but it's Fox, but he's a big point guard so he can play the two a little bit. He's a a lot of people questioned his shooting because he's kind of got a funky rotation too. you know, people saw and were questioning it during, you know, before the draft, but it's, He's proven everybody wrong. He shot a high percentage from three this season. He's had a tremendous rookie year. He's probably had the second-best rookie season behind LaMelo Ball. And uh, Emmanuel Quickly. probably have, has the third. That's I'd probably rank those the top three. And then maybe James Wiseman right behind. But that's your future backcourt if you're the Kings right there. It's it's Fox and Halliburton. So I think moving on from Buddy Healed makes sense. It also – I don't necessarily uh, – hate that he had some falling out with the team too because it made no sense when Luke Walton decided to uh, to bench him last year he, he out of nowhere Buddy Heald started coming off the bench for the Kings for just no reason they they were starting like Corey Joseph and random guys along with De'Aaron Fox like there's no reason not to start Buddy Heald they just started to come making him come off the bench towards the end of last season which was frustrating and he was getting less minutes made no sense he was shooting high high percentage from three you know you and they had just extended him at the beginning of last season so uh, it's it kind of it kind of blew my mind that they were you know moving in a direction that he was going to be like their sixth man i i don't really understand that but there's a lot that's wrong with the kings there's a lot that's wrong with the hawks and there's a lot that's wrong with the kings and those are two teams that are worth mentioning or worth looking over right now because Lloyd Pierce just got fired. I think Nate McMillan will help. And, you know, the Hawks aren't too far out of it. They're only 16,000 500. I think the Kings really don't have much hope. They don't have a great team. And I think that Luke Walton could be up next on the hot seat. There's a few guys that definitely could be on the hot seat. You know, people are talking about Brad Stevens with the Celtics. I don't see that happening right now. Um, Primarily because I don't think the Celtics... Uh, have that great of a team. I think the reason why they're a 500 team is because they don't have any depth. I don't think it's necessarily Brad Stevens' fault. I, I've been look. I've been looking at it like that during before the uh, the season started when I came out with my NBA predictions. I actually had the Celtics finishing under 500 because I I didn't think that uh, that they were even going to be. Uh, that competitive they didn't have any like any star power they haven't had a big man in forever and they tried to address the issue by signing Tristan Thompson this offseason and you know and Thompson's not that great Daniel Theis is not that great either who they have uh who they had starting for the last few years so it's it's an interesting situation and I think that uh there's a lot of teams that are going to have uh head coaches on the trade market. I'm on the uh, on the hot seat. I mean, you know, Ryan Saunders already got canned in Minnesota, which was not surprising just saw Lloyd Pierce today. We'll see. There could be a couple of other ones this season and Luke Walton might be next as a candidate for that. So, so we'll see. There's definitely going to be some of this off season though, too, if some of these teams underperform. So heading towards as you remember 2 weeks ago, last week we had the entertainer on. Which was a fun, which was a fun episode. We talked about the Knicks, uh, primarily Knicks basketball. I'm a diehard Knicks fan, so that was a lot of fun, uh, some Knicks history and stuff. But the week before that, we had Kyle Russo on, and for, of review and preview. And after he got off, he was on for about like 20 minutes. I revealed my NBA All Star game predictions, and now since the All Star rosters are completely revealed, I'm going to go over exactly what I got right. So in the East. I didn't do a, I didn't do great in the east but I called the west the west I if you remember from two episodes ago I said that I can almost guarantee I'm going to get all 12 right and I did but with an asterisk uh the the east I only got 10 out of 13 right because I had a I had a couple of uh kind of oddballs and a couple of like curve balls out there for my eastern predictions so you know there's like the Um, I, I tried to like, try to make things interesting and, you know, some of the stuff didn't go through. So Sabonis ended up getting selected as an all-star reserve replacing Durant. That's why it's 10 out of 13. Uh, the ones that I got wrong though, uh, I got Trey Young wrong, got Bam Adebayo wrong. So got those two wrong and the real selections in those, uh, and Sabonis didn't get taken right away. So technically, you know, I was like nine for twelve from the beginning, and then they added some bonus back, so I'm ten for thirteen. Uh, even though there's twelve spots on the roster, but I got Trey Young and Bam Adebayo wrong. I thought both of them were going to make it. What the guys that made it, who I didn't think, who I didn't have making it, were Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving. And might be thinking I'm crazy because Kyrie ended up getting selected as. uh as a starter, so you might think I'm crazy for not selecting Kyrie. I thought that the, uh, the games that he took off might come back and hurt him. It ended up not at all because there was guys who got selected who had missed a lot of time. You know, Jason Tatum got selected too, uh, and I didn't have Jason Tatum either. That was that was the other one. Uh, I had Jalen Brown make it, and not Jason Tatum. I don't think the Celtics deserve two All Stars. I think Jason Tatum's a great player, but I think. That Jalen Brown should have only made it because um, Celtics haven't been great this year, and Tatum missed a lot of time because he had COVID. Uh, so, but they kind of rewarded some guys who who missed time. So Kyrie ended up getting voted in. I had Harden and Beal getting voted in as the backcourt, and it ended up being Kyrie and Beal. So, you know, the so the East was my weakest. Got a few wrong. You know, I thought Trey Young would make it. I thought Bam Adebayo would make it. Apparently, when Durant. Uh, and I, it was a sh- complete shock that Sabonis didn't make it. But apparently when Durant announced that he's going to be out through the All-Star break and won't be playing the All-Star game, they, fir- I, I saw a rumor, don't know necessarily how true it is, they, the first person they asked was Jimmy Butler to replace him, who's had a great season, but he had some injury issues though too. And Jimmy Butler apparently refused to play since Bam Adebayo didn't make the team. Only if Bam Adebayo had made the team, he would have gone to play for the Ulster team. I don't know how true that is. You know, it could have been a sketchy site, a sketchy source. Saw it on Twitter. Can't always believe what you see on Twitter unless it comes from a verified account. But that was apparently what happened. And then they took Sabonis. Sabonis was the biggest Eastern snub like when they announced the roster. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was made up and Sabonis actually was the first guy that they asked because Sabonis really deserves it. Um, so like a bit of a shock, you know, Trey young, I had a bit of a feeling though, possibly because the Hawks have underperformed. But as I said earlier, he's been averaging 29.5 points, nine, 9.5, no, 26.5 points, 9.5 assists. Like that's an incredible season. And that's an all-star season. Even if you play for a terrible team, like you got to find a spot for the, on the all-star team for him. I'm sorry. Like I, I don't agree with that, and then Ben Simmons make it, makes it every year. I, I understand Ben Simmons makes it because he's a favorite to be to to win Defensive Player of the Year this year. That's that's definitely the case. But like I, I don't know. I think that uh, when Trey Young's putting up numbers like that, and Ben Simmons only putting up twelve, six, and six, even though he's one of the best defensive players in the league, I I, I just think it's difficult not to take Trey Young. I mean, you could try to find a spot for Ben Simmons, but again, I've always been an advocate of they need to expand the all-star rosters to 13. They still have them at 12. Regular rosters are 13 now. They changed this years ago, uh, a good six or seven years ago they changed that, and the all-star game has stayed at 12, you know, and every single year we see one or two guys in each conference who have extreme all-star numbers that end up not getting snubbed. And if nobody's hurt and everybody's going to attend the game, then there's no replacements, then, you know, you're out of luck. So I think 13 13 would have been great because Sabonis would have made the team uh, immediately. Trey Young still could have got snubbed, but Durant would have gone down and maybe Trey Young. I mean, they would take a front court guy, I guess. To replace to replace Durant, so then they would probably take Bam Adebayo, who you know is having an All Star season too. But the Heat have been like a five hundred team, so uh, we so that was difficult. I'm just glad Julius Randle made it because Julius Randle has one had one heck of a season. He's a star player for the Knicks. He's our building block and he deserved it there's there's no doubt about that watching him play every every single game this year he's completely changed his game and he is one of the elite players in the NBA and then in the west i got 12 out of 13 correct so for the initial play for the initial players that made it i got 11 out of 12 the only one i got wrong was i had devin booker make it and chris paul made it instead i did not have chris paul making it i was kind of shocked that chris paul made it honestly uh i think that it was like more of them really wanting Chris Paul in the game than because Devin Booker has put up ridiculous stats that are all-star stats. There's no reason why he shouldn't have made it. Uh, but Devin Booker ended up making it. He ended up making it as a reserve because Anthony Davis announced he was hurt and won't play in the game, so Devin Booker was selected. So I ended up getting all 12 of my selections correct. But... um. I got 12 out of 13 since I didn't guess Chris Paul, so they, mm-hmm. I I was 11 for 12 for in the initial, in the initial results, and you know that's that's about it. So I I and I was saying I I could put in stone that 12 that I was going to get 12 for 12 in the West, and I ended up getting it because Booker ended up making it, but Booker was the only one I got wrong initially. Got Zion right, uh, I did a, did a pretty good job. You know, to pat myself on the back a little bit, a little bit did a, did a decent job with my all-star predictions. The West was, in my opinion, the West was really clear, though. The West was, you like, there was no other choice. You knew Donovan Mitchell was going to make it. You knew Rudy Gobert was going to make it. You knew Zion was going to make it, uh, like, off the bench. Those were the only guys, like, in question, and, you know... They, those were all guys that were deserving, in my opinion, and it was pretty obvious that they were all deserving. So, and the Jazz have been the best team in basketball this year. They were 100 percent going to take two All Stars from the Jazz. Like you could argue that Rudy Gobert wouldn't make it, but he's also making a strong push for his third Defensive Player of the Year award. Too, he's having an incredible season, but he could have been a snub if the Jazz weren't playing well, you know? Because Donovan Mitchell has is has to make it because he's an unbelievable but Rudy Gobert could have been a a snub candidate, but when you're the best team in the NBA, you got to take, you got to take at least two guys from, from that team. And so, so there was no doubt in my mind that, that they were going to do that. So we'll switch it up a little bit to college basketball. That's enough NBA talk for the day. So college basketball, we're winding down to the final week of the regular season right now. There's uh, uh, the final week of regular season play is going on. There's some conferences that are starting their tournaments this week, but all the major conferences are starting their tournaments next week. And a week from Sunday is going to be Selection Sunday. So they go up until Sunday, and some of the championship games are on Sunday, and then you get Selection Sunday at night. Uh, so like the Big East, the Big Ten, the Big 12, uh, the Pac-12, they are all starting their their tournaments next week. So this this week is the last week of the regular season for these teams. And with the new AP poll that came out, I kind of ranked my tiers of college basketball teams that I'll share with everybody. Um, I, I put all the teams into to different categories and I'll, I'll explain one by one. I'll give small explanations for each one because I got a few for each, but this is where I see heading into the tournament. This is what I, this is where I see all these teams ranking basically. Um. Tier one is the most dominant slash favorites to win at all. And to no surprise, there's only three teams in this tier. For me, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Michigan, uh, completely dynamic. Michigan leapfrogged Baylor as the number two seed, as the uh, second best team in the country now this week after Baylor lost their first game of the season to Kansas. And Michigan still only has one loss, completely rolling. It destroyed Iowa this week. They're they're locked in, and they're a legit uh, tournament championship contender, and obviously Gonzaga. Gonzaga is the only undefeated team left in the nation now. They'll probably finish undefeated because their tournament starts uh, during this week. I think at the end of this week. So I don't know how much how many uh, regular season games they even have left. But I th- I think that Gonzaga is going to um probably finish undefeated and. That'll be one, two, and three right there. That's it's pretty simple, you know. Baylor has uh, the best. Baylor has the best defensive team in the country. Gonzaga has the best offensive team in the country, and Michigan's right up there as as elite as any of them. And you know, it's it's going it's going to be interesting. So then, so those were the obvious ones, and then I got tier two, very good but have some flaws. You know, these teams are like. They're not the Gonzaga, Baylor, or uh, or Michigan, but they're legit title contenders that have a few flaws that have gone up and down on the rankings this year. But they're the next level on the pyramid. And the first team is Illinois. Illinois is ranked four this week. I'm a big Io Desoonmu fan. You know they, but they've been up and down this year. You know a lot. Of t- they've they've shown a little bit that you know if they don't have Desoonmu, they they don't get as much production from the rest of the team sometimes, and that's how they end up losing games. Iowa is another team I got in the tier two. Iowa's biggest problem, I think, is their defense. They're not extreme. They're they have a tremendous offensive force. The starting five are great offensive players: Wieskamp and Bohannon and uh, Garza they're all tremendous offensive players but they lack a lot of defense and I think that's going to come back and bite them in the tournament. Uh I think it's going to spell trouble but they're they're still regardless they're they're five in the country this week and they're a legit title contender. Then next we got Villanova. Villanova's been up and down. Villanova is always dynamic, always runs through the Big East, but they had a COVID outbreak that took a month off their season and they had a little trouble bouncing back from that, you know, they lost some pretty easy conference games. So, and I I think that they have some flaws. They got a really good team though. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is going to be another first round pick. You know, Colin Gillespie is having a great season. They, they have a good all around team, but they've, they've, they've blown some games and could blow some games in the tournament. So another team I have is Houston. Houston is the best rebounding team in the nation. Uh, to, some people surprised maybe they have the highest rebounding numbers. Houston's been dynamic all year. They have one loss for a long time and then they blew an easy game, but Houston has been great. Quentin Grimes is their leading scorer transfer from Kansas. Uh, he's been amazing this year, but they're in that tier two. They're, they're sitting at uh, nine in the country right now, probably sitting on a, a two or three seat in the tournament as, as things are going right now. Um, so I got them in tier two. They got they're very good, but they have some flaws. They blow some games, and you know they're not they're not a tier one team. And then the lowest seed, lowest ranked team I have in tier two is Virginia. And the reason why I have them in tier two and not in tier three is because I think Virginia is really good. I think they're deep, and I think that they're dynamic too. Sam Hausers having a tremendous season. Uh, their transfer from Marquette. Keye Clark is playing great. Uh, they they just they have an all around good team. They're well coached too, and they're still the reigning champions too. You know, since we didn't have a tournament last year, they're technically still the the NCAA's reigning champions two years later. So I think that they can make some noise in the tournament. They fell to twenty one this week though, which is kind of insane. But they're in tier two. I I think they're very good and have some minor flaws. And then the last two are Alabama and Texas. Alabama's at eight this week. Alabama's been going up and down. Uh, they're the best team in the SEC. There's no doubt about that. They've they've been dynamic this year. John Petty and Herb Jones are their two-star players. Herb Jones, tremendous defensive player. John Petty is a great scorer. Uh, I think that they – the S- and the SEC is a definitely a tough conference because there's a lot of sneaky teams in the SEC. That's the thing. Like Auburn, like Auburn doesn't have the best record, but they they have a good team. LSU doesn't have the best record, but they have a good team. You know, they, there's a lot of sneaky games that they play in the SEC. So I think Alabama is right in that tier two. They're definitely not in tier three. And then I also have Texas too. Texas had been in the top ten for most of the season. They fell to fifteen um, after after losing to Oklahoma state uh they've they've been falling a bit but they've got a veteran team though though, too they got Andrew Jones they got Coleman they got a lot of older players who are good too and they got they got Kai Jones too who is a potential first round pick uh I think that I think Texas can make some noise and if they're 15 they're gonna they're gonna make a pretty strong push too in the conference tournament and you know try to get a better seat for the actual tournament, but I like Texas. I think Texas is good. And, and as I said before, they, they're experienced too, you know, Andrew Jones, especially, you know, with what he has had to go through with dealing with cancer and coming back from that, he's only a junior. And he's like the heart and soul of the team, basically, you know, he brings the energy. He's an amazing player, amazing, amazing person too. uh, I, I I like Texas, and you can't help but root for them, too. You know, Shaka Smart has struggled a bit since taking the Texas job after leaving VCU, but he he's finally got a winner right now for this team, and I, I think that they can make it far. So that's that's my tier two. And then we'll go – then the last tier is tier three. Good, but some question marks. So these teams are the teams that are ranked that I think are good, but are like, eh. You know, I, they're, they're not, they're not amazing. And I've got some, I got two top 10 teams in this, in tier three, I got Ohio state and West Virginia, Uh, Ohio state. I don't love, they, they don't have a ton of star power. They've completely overperformed this year, which all credit to them. You know, they've, they've had a great season, but EJ Liddell is their best player. And I just feel like they're not too deep. And I think when it comes tournament time, they're going to be a big candidate to get upset, uh, pretty early in the tournament, even before the Sweet 16. I don't, I don't see them as anything more than a good team with some question marks. They've, they've, you know, won some big games this year, but I'm not convinced with them. And same with West Virginia. West Virginia is ranked six now this week. They've been going up and down. I mean, they fell down to like near 20 at some point this at some point this season. They've got an interesting team. Miles McBride and Derek Culver are tremendous players. Uh, they, they do have a very solid team, but I just feel like they blow a lot of tough games and they blow a lot of easy games too. And these tier three teams are the teams that I think two could be upset in the tournament when it comes tournament time and West Virginia, hundred percent could be upset. There, I, I think that that's a definite, um, it's, it's kind of like an interesting situation. I don't know how much I love West Virginia's team. I've gone back and forth of, you know. <laughs> how much I think they're good. They're up to six this week, which I think is the highest ranking they've had all year. Uh, And then I got the next two. I got are Arkansas and Oklahoma state Arkansas is ranked 12 this week. They jumped from not being ranked to 20 last week and from 20 to 12 this week which is insane. They're on a six-game winning streak. We'll, we'll get to that when I go over the eight poll surprises, but they're all the way up to 12 this week, which is insane. Moses Moody is having a tremendous season. He's going to be a lottery pick in this year's draft. It's going to be a one-and-done. Uh, he's their leading scorer, a great shooter, but Arkansas is – had an amazing has done an amazing job and overperformed. And the fact that they are 12, a 12 seed right now, if they make it deep into the sec tournament, I think they're going to get a high seed. And I think they have question marks when it comes to playing against other tournament teams, playing against some of the tier one and tier two teams. I'm not sure I'm too convinced that they're like a real contender. They could get picked off. um, I mean, sitting at 12 right now, they could end up getting a four seed or something. And they they might have to to keep to keep win to they might have to win the SEC in order to get that. I don't see them staying that high, but you know if they're a five or six seed, I could I can see them falling. And And you know like like how Tennessee completely fell out of the rankings this week, which is kind of crazy to me. They they've fallen a lot. They lost again, and then Oklahoma State too is in tier three. Oklahoma State though I like a lot. They're just. Besides Cade Cunningham, I'm not too convinced that they have enough depth to make a true run at the tournament. I think Mike Boynton's done a tremendous job with that program. I think they got some good players like Likely. Um, they they have a good team. Cunningham's the heart and soul of that team. He's going, you know, could end up being the first overall pick in this year's draft. Uh, but I put them in tier three, honestly. Like considered not putting not even putting them in at all. But you know. It's actually, great that they made it all the way up to tier three. They were unranked for most of the season and they're all the way up to 17 this week. So they got and they got a tough week coming up too, you know, in their Big 12 schedule. And another tier three team I got is Texas Tech. Texas Tech confuses me sometimes because Texas Tech I think is a really good team. Mack McClung's had a great season, Terrence Shannon's had a great season, uh, Marcus Santos Silva has had a great season who transferred, who was a grad transfer from VCU, big man. Uh, they uh, Chris beards always got that team playing well they got some good recruits got some good young players Mac McClung is their star uh but I they they've blown some they've blown some interesting games that they should have won and they've also won some really close games that you know I, I always think back to the lsu game where they almost lost and they, they Mac McClung basically had to take over for them to win so I think that they're a good team, but they have some question marks. I don't, I don't know how well they'll play in the tournament. This will be Mac McClung's first tournament too. You know, after two years at Georgetown not making the tournament, this will be his first NCAA tournament in his junior year. So it'll be interesting to see. They'll get, they'll end up getting a pretty high seed, but they could get upset. I, I really think so. And Oklahoma is another one I've, I've gotten tier three. I'm not, I'm not too convinced. They're kind of like Ohio State. For me, you know, they they fell to sixteen this week. They were in the top ten for a little bit. Uh, Long Kruger is just an amazing head coach. You know, he 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 gets his teams winning no matter where no matter where he is, no matter who he has on the roster, they just win. And I don't think that Oklahoma has the greatest roster. It's almost amazing that he, they're a top twenty five team. That they've been a perennial top twenty five team this season, anyway. But I think that they're they're definitely a tier three team. they they lose there when it comes tournament time it might come back to bite them you know Reeves is their star player but and then the final two I got is Kansas and Creighton so Kansas is ranked 13 this week Creighton's ranked 14 uh Kansas has has been interesting they fell out of the top 25 for a period of time and got back in and they started surging again recently but they uh they they struggled a bit this season. They were one of the many blue bloods that that did not have a great season. But they're going to end. They're they've been surging it so much recently that they're going to end up probably with a pretty good seed. And they're going to especially if they go far in the Big Twelve tournament. But they they don't convince me. They're too inconsistent. Uh, I, I'm not too convinced that they're going to make too big of a splash. That they can even I don't even think that they can beat any of the tier two teams. To be honest with you, you know if they go, have to go head to head with any of them, I really don't think so. And Creighton's the other one. Creighton's been up and down this year. Creighton's proven that if if Marcus Zagorowski's not on the court, they're not the same team. You know, it's it's kind of like the James Knight effect with UConn. They're, it's a night and day difference. You know, when Zagorowski got hurt, they were blowing games. That's how they fell so much. Creighton's got a good team. They had a great team last year. They ended up losing Davion Mintz because he transferred to Kentucky Tyshawn Alexander went into the NBA draft. So those were two big losses, but they still have Zagorowski. They still have Denzel Mahoney, who's a good player. Uh, But I'm, I'm not too sold that they're definitely not the Creighton team that I was excited to see in the tournament last year that won the big East and was potentially, and what I thought was potentially going to win the big East tournament to get a high seed and make a big push in the 2020 uh, NCAA tournament. You know, the, they're one of the biggest losers for the tournament getting canceled last year. Them and Dayton, in my opinion, are the two biggest losers because Creighton was surging last year, and they're not the same team as they were last year. They're good; they're very good. Zagorovsky is an amazing player, but if it, if you're relying on one player, especially in college basketball, it becomes very difficult. It really does. So jumping over as we as that that finishes up my tiers of different college teams and now we're good now we'll head into the ap poll so the new ap poll came out this week uh not too many big surprises there was just a few really um i think that michigan leapfrogging baylor was probably the biggest one because gonzaga has been one baylor's been two for pretty much the entire year okay got a comment got my brother Dayton could have won it all with Obi last year. Completely agree. Dayton is going to go down as the biggest losers for not having the tournament last year, without a doubt. It's not even going to be a debate. There, that's the that was the that was the saddest thing because Dayton was a legit title contender and they were locked in, and Obi was one player of the year, and that was the best chance in school in their school history, honestly, to probably win a championship, but you know, so felt bad for Dayton fans, but back to the AP poll surprises, Michigan leapfrog Baylor, Baylor lost their first game of the season to Kansas and Michigan still only has one loss and coming back from COVID they're rolling and they're, they're completely locked in. I think that they're tough. They're going to be a one seed two. um, and they moved to number two, and Baylor moved to number three. And I think that, that that might be good. They might be better than Baylor. They really might. And I've been adamant on this show about how nobody can touch Gonzaga and Baylor. Michigan, Michigan can touch Baylor, and they might be able to can touch touch Gonzaga. Uh, they've they've proven a lot to me these last couple of games. They Jawan Howard's done an amazing job with that team. They're absolutely locked in. You know, led by Franz Wagner and Isaiah Livers and Hunter Dickinson. He's got a good team going, got a good, uh, they have a good game plan going. There's rolling right now in the big 10. So they, it's it's been fun to see. And Illinois is at number four, which was interesting. Iowa jumped from nine to five too, which, which was a big leap. So, you know, you got, uh, so Illinois is making a strong push to be in, to get a number one seed in this year's tournament. There's, it's, you know, especially if Gonzaga wins the WCC tournament, which they probably will, and Baylor and Michigan will almost undoubtedly be one seeds as well, no matter how they do in the tournament, unless they lose like first round or something. But that fourth one seed for the tournament is kind of wide open, and Illinois right now is sitting at number four could be that other one seed you know Iowa's was in the mix for it west virginia jumped from 10 to 6 this week they could be in the mix for it so they, that's why it's it's worth noting that illinois is up to four because they were looked at as going to be a two seed in the tournament and now they're jumping all the way up to one and i i think that in the two biggest leaps have been arkansas and now oklahoma state arkansas jumped from being unranked to 20 last week and now they're up to 12 this week and they're on a 6 game winning streak. They've been red hot and they are going to make some noise in the SEC tournament I think. They they might be the second best SEC. They might have they've over they've surpassed Tennessee as the second best team in the SEC I think behind Alabama. Uh Tennessee's been struggling a ton lately. They're not even ranked this week anymore, which is insane. But uh they they've they've been struggling a little bit, but Arkansas is has been nuts. They won six straight, which is insane. And Oklahoma State, too, won some big games. Cade Cunningham is coming into his own. He struggled a bit this year. There's no doubt about that. He's potentially going to be the first overall pick. Uh, he's a tremendous player, and he's finally putting it together, and Oklahoma State is playing some good basketball. And they won some big games this week, and they jumped up to 17. They beat Oklahoma and Texas Tech this week. Uh, two big, big 12 wins. And they have a, a strong final week of the season, two ahead of them. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do this week. So those are the base AP poll surprises. And as always, we'll go over the top college games of the week to end the show. Um We got a, a pretty laid-out slate. As we've seen in the past, usually a few good games sprinkled in throughout the week. And then you have Saturday you got like five great games and then Sunday you got a couple of great games. It's not really that this week, you know. There's a couple of good games Saturday, but you got good games all throughout the week which is great for us college basketball fans to to watch. The only one to really look out for tonight though is number 16 Oklahoma at number 17 Oklahoma State as I was talking about Oklahoma Oklahoma State has a tough road ahead of them this week. Um rematch after Oklahoma State's win last week. Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma, which helped them get up to 17 for this week. Last week, so this is basically a rematch. Cade Cunningham's been red hot, uh, and Oklahoma State's been on a four-game winning streak. They're 16 and six and nine six in the conference now. So this is, you know, going to be an interesting game. It's an Oklahoma rivalry too, which will be a lot of fun. So it's tonight at nine. It's in an hour and twenty hour and ten minutes. So, tune in. I'm definitely going to be tuning in. There's no doubt about that. I'm excited for this game, and then we'll jump to some games tomorrow. Number three, Baylor at six, West Virginia. Now this is going to be a good game, a Big Twelve matchup right here. Baylor lost the first game of the seat, their first game of the season to Kansas this past weekend. This game is going to be an evening game too. So if you know, get home from work at five o'clock. So uh, anybody out there want to throw this game on? This will uh, be fun. It's a good dinner time game tomorrow. And West Virginia's won three straight. They're seventeen and six. Total ten and four in the conference, and they're up to six this week. So a three versus six is is always a great one to watch. But the game of the week is tomorrow night at seven. We have number four Illinois at number two Michigan. I cannot wait for this game because this is a statement game for both teams. Michigan are is Michigan really better than Baylor? Prove it by beating Illinois. That's what I gotta say. Is Illinois really worth a number one seed? prove it by beating Michigan that's it. that's how I look at this game this is going to be a tight game too I'm hyped for it I'm hyped for this because if Illinois knocks them off too that's uh, Illinois can almost I think if Illinois beats Michigan they almost lock up a one seed for this year's tournament and Michigan probably falls back again and as long as Baylor doesn't lose this week uh have they've, they've got the West Virginia game tomorrow too. So you never know. But if Baylor wins out this week and Michigan loses this game, Baylor probably jumps back up to number two for the next week. But it'll be conference tournament time anyway. So the AP poll doesn't matter as much. And then lesser known game, 25 Wisconsin at 23 Purdue. Two teams that Wisconsin's been in the top 25 for almost the entire season, but they've been falling a lot recently. They're all the way down to 25 this week. Barely stayed in, barely have stayed in it. Uh, Struggled a bit, but could be big wins for either team you know these are two teams that we'll see in the tournament that will not be great seeds but uh will definitely be tournament teams and will be dancing in march and you know it could be a good match it could be a good win for either team you know Wisconsin has has been has been great all year Purdue has been in and out of the rankings all season they've been worse than Wisconsin but they jumped up further than Wisconsin Wisconsin's down to 25 this week so it's interesting then we jump to wednesday we got another big another huge big east game whenever Craig and villanova play you gotta do it the two ranked teams in the big east and wednesday at 8 30 14 creighton at 10 villanova huge game this game could decide who who wins the big east honestly the regular season that is um right now villanova has the edge but creighton's got a better overall record uh no, no, Villanova lost to Butler this past week, but they're 15 and four, 10 and three in the conference and Creighton is 17 and six overall 13 and five in the conference. So this game, if if Creighton wins this game, they take over first place. Uh, this could be the deciding game to see who wins the, reg- the Big East regular season, creating one last year, and to see who gets the one seed in the Big in the East tournament at uh, Madison Square Garden next week. So that's where, that's the biggest thing to look out for for this game. It's going to be interesting. And another big test for Oklahoma State. We got number 17, Oklahoma State, at number three, Baylor. What this is game two of three games I have featured for Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's got a packed week, they've been playing great recently, but they got to really prove it. This is what last week of the season they got a jam packed week, and they're playing number three, Baylor. This would be a huge win for Oklahoma State, a big statement win. Uh, Baylor's only got one loss on the season, big test for Kate Cunningham and company. And Oklahoma State, as I said, they got it. Oklahoma. I've already mentioned, and then they have another game that'll that'll be showing. So they got three uh, top twenty-five games this week. So very difficult way to end the season. And then another Thursday game. We got Thursday at nine, number fifteen Texas at number sixteen Oklahoma. Um, two teams that have struggled a bit. They've got nearly identical records though in the Big Twelve. Texas is fourteen and seven, eight and six in the conference. Oklahoma is fourteen and seven, also. Overall, but nine six in the conference. So Oklahoma is half a game better than Texas because of, they have one more win in, in conference play. Uh, they they're going neck and neck. Texas falling a little bit. Oklahoma's falling a little bit. This the Big Twelve is tough this year, and everybody's beating up on everybody. So these are just two teams that have you know taken a few blows from some of the more top teams in the Big Twelve. Big Twelve has been the toughest conference in college basketball this season. So. It's the Big 12 and the Big 10. So it is uh, – these are two teams that have just been taking big blows, and it'll be fun to watch. This is an interesting one. We got TBA at number 20, Loyola Chicago, to be announced. That is no school called TBA. Friday at noon. So only reason why I add this is this is the quarterfinals of the Mountain West Conference tournament uh mountain valley conference tournament i should say uh they don't know who's going to play them there it's a pending game obviously Loyola chicago gets a buy because they're the number one seed in this tournament in this conference they're number 20 in the entire nation so we'll find out soon who they play against but this is going to be their first game and we're you know all us co- all college basketball fans are hoping for a Loyola chicago and first drake uh mvc championship because the, those are the two teams from the MVC that's uh, from the Miss, from the uh, um, Missouri Valley Conference that can really uh, make a push and are legitimate title con- th- who are legitimate March Madness contenders uh, to make the tournament. And we've got another Oklahoma State game, number seventeen. Oklahoma State at number six, West Virginia, Saturday at two o'clock. So third of three games we got for Oklahoma state. And this one's tough too. They got Baylor, West Virginia and Oklahoma this week. Like it's a, it's a tough week for Oklahoma state and they've just been surging there. If they win all three, I you'd have to expect that they, that they bounce into the top 10 uh, this upcoming week. Like there's, there's no doubt about that. It's going to, it's a tough schedule. You know, they West Virginia has been red hot it's a jam-packed final week for Oklahoma State. So it'll just be another good game. It'll be interesting to keep an eye out to see what Oklahoma State does because this could really make or break uh their bid for an NCAA tournament. If they lose all three games, it would not be good. You know, if they win all three games, it would be incredible and they'd be the talk of the town. And there's also still the possibility that Oklahoma State may be ineligible to make the tournament. Um they were ruled ineligible this off season due to recruiting violations. They filed an appeal to the NCA. And as long as the NCA doesn't give a verdict before selection Sunday, they'll be allowed to be in the tournament. And if they are found guilty again, then it'll get pushed off a year there uh, from being banned from the tournament. But the NCA steps in there's, It doesn't even matter if they, they win these games. It's still a possibility that Oklahoma state will not be able to make the tournament. So it's, it'll just be interesting to see. We'll see. I, I feel like the NCAA won't step in and, you know, if Oklahoma state deserves to make the tournament they they probably will this season. And if they are going to get, you know, then maybe push off a year, if they're still going to have a ban for, for at least a year for the tournament. and, Second to last game, got number four Illinois. Another tough game for Illinois this week. Add number seven Ohio State. They got two top ten matchups this week, Saturday at four. Um, you know, the Big 12 tournament starts next week. It's jam-packed, and this is, you know, just getting warmed up for it. Uh, I think Illinois is a lot better than Ohio State. Ohio State has also lost three straight, uh, but somehow stayed at seven this week because they lost to Michigan, who was three. And lost to Iowa, but they lost to Michigan State, who was unranked, which was a bad loss. So they fell a few from that, but they somehow stayed pretty high ranked this week, even though losing to Michigan State was a really bad loss. They lost to Michigan, Michigan State, and Iowa this past week. So they they're coming off three straight losses to Ohio State, and this is their final game of the season too. So this will be a tell-all. This is their only game this week too. So they they've only got one game left in the season, and it's against Illinois. So if they lose this. It'll be be interesting to see where they are in the big Ten tournament. And then the final game we got on Sunday number 18 Texas Tech add number three Baylor another Baylor game. Baylor's got another guy tough schedule Baylor, Oklahoma State and Illinois all have tough schedules this week in the final week of of conference play. They're taking on Texas Tech Texas Tech fell all the way to 18 this week uh you know they've they were in my tier three they're a questionable team. This would be a huge win for Texas Tech if they were able to win this game, and this is a must-win for Baylor if they want to secure a number one seed. Uh, they can't start losing some of these games. So it's definitely a tough final week for Baylor. So um, Tech is definitely their last big matchup before twenty time, though. So uh, as far as Baylor is concerned, it, them in Oklahoma State. Uh, so. It's gonna it's gonna be an interesting week. There's there's no doubt about that. So that's gonna do it for this episode of the three and D. I want to thank everybody who tuned in on review and preview for it for my annual for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. We'll be back over the next couple of weeks. We'll be doing a special uh, conference tournament episode next week and a selection Sunday special. The nights of Selection Sunday, that Sunday night after the draft, I'll we'll be completely going through my bracket and revealing my my picks to everybody. So I'm really excited for that, and we got some we got some exciting stuff coming up these next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for the three and D, stay tuned for review and preview, and thanks everybody for tuning in.